0: Hi, it's Al. Recently I was informed that my job of seven years was being outsourced and that my services were no longer required. This was, as you might imagine, a bit of a blow. Thankfully, I'm in no immediate financial danger. However, the situation will seriously impact the continued production of this and the other shows that I produce. And so, despite my general distaste for these things, I've decided to start a fundraiser. My goal is to raise one year's worth of production costs for the four projects I release regularly. Sarcastic Voyage, Post-Atomic Horror, More Bits, and my cartoon reviews. If you enjoy one or more of these programs, I ask that you consider donating a little to keep them going. Go to GoFundMe.com Algar for details. In the interest of transparency, I have listed the expenses I need help with there. Some of these things are essential. Server space for the websites, podcasts, and videos, for instance. Some of them are things we could live without, but would rather not. And some aren't nice-to-have items. It's all on the list, and I promise you that none of this money is meant to go into my pocket. I only want to continue making these things that I love making. That website, again, is GoFundMe slash Algar. That's double A L G A R. I thank you for your time and preemptively thank you for your support. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 210, covering A Time to Stand and Rocks and Shoals. Friends, it's here. The war is happening now.
1: We are full swing on war.
0: Yep, that's an expression. That's the thing, right? Full swing on. Yep. Get your swing on. Get
1: your swing on with a Klingon.
0: Barely any Klingon in any of
1: this. No, uh, Michael Dorn does not appear in this episode.
0: In the second one, for sure. No. Which is strange.
1: There's not a lot of him in the first one, but he does show up.
0: He definitely does. But uh, Sierra Lofton. Does appear. Yes, he does significantly. Bubble, so it's, yes. Uh it's a, it's a very interesting time for the show. It's basically what we've been promising all along and it only took 5 fucking years to get there. Yep. So <clears throat> final th- for the final time I'm going to apologize for that and then we'll never speak of it again. Yes. Cuz we're here now. Let us never
1: speak of it again.
0: Right. Uh but now it is time to talk about a time to stand. So it's it's time time for timer.
1: Not to be confused with that series of uh, next gen
0: novels. Was that a was that a thing?
1: There's like fifteen uh, next gen novels that were all called a time to thing, a time to other thing, a time to sew, time to not Oh, nuts right, sell.
0: right, right. They were named after the lyrics of that song.
1: Yeah, you know, oh. from the Bible.
0: <laughs> I know it's actually from the Bible. I was trying to do a joke <laughs> about that about that '60s song that also quotes the same thing. I think yeah, is it to everything turn turn turn. Yes, is that... that's the yeah. one. Right. Which I really only know from the Freedom Rock commercial from the 80s, which you probably don't even remember. No. Uh, It's it's probably for the best.
1: I remember a lot of commercials with hippie music in them, but I don't remember that one specifically.
0: No, this was very specifically hippie. Like, it was two hippies sitting there listening and, Hey man, is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. we'll turn it up, man. Yeah, you would have loved it. With your your Cartman-esque love of hippies. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like me. It sure does. Uh, but let me now tell you about a time to stand. Remember that amazing shot of the Starfleet-Klingon fleet at the end of Season 5? It's time to check back in with that. And it's not looking quite so mint condition anymore. Apparently, as it turns out, the war hasn't been going so well. For instance, the 7th Fleet started out with 112 ships, and now they're down to 14. Sisko knows that 14 is substantially fewer than 112. Even he knows that. But not. But it's not all hopeless. Dax and Worf are briefly reunited, reminding us of their plans to get married when the war is over. And Martok wearily rolls his eye as Worf continues obsessing over the traditional Klingon wedding he's wanted to have ever since he was a little girl. (laughs) Meanwhile, on Tarok Nor, it turns out that the Cardassians are kind of evil. No, seriously. Weyoun, for his part, is extremely concerned with maintaining that non-aggression thing they signed with Bajor, so things aren't quite as bad as they were during the original occupation. But they're not exactly great either, and Odo reluctantly takes advantage of the almost literal hearts in wei <laughs> eyes and assumes a position on the station's ruling council in hopes of maybe making things a little not less exactly great. Meanwhile, again, the Starfleet guys take that captured Jem'Hadar ship, you know, from that episode last season. Uh, it was called, um, The Ships That Crash, or Capturing a Ship, or- wait, no it wasn't, it would have been something like The Mission, or Exploring Space, or maybe just Plot! exclamation <laughs> point. Anyway, that ship. They use that to infiltrate the Cardassian Dominion space and destroy a plant that makes Ketracel white, which you may recall is the drug that motivates the Geminar, as seen in the previous episode, uh... The Incident Occurrence. They do indeed manage to blow up the evil drugs factory, and only the evil drugs factory, putting them well ahead of the actual 21st century war on drugs. Topical observations! But in the process, they've damaged their warp engines, and now it will take over 17 years to get home. This, I should point out, is where the episode ends, with everyone a little worse off than where we began. And yet, somehow as a season premiere, it's infinitely more rewarding than, say, Best of Both Worlds Part 2 or Time's Arrow Part 2 or that one DS9 episode. You know, the one. The Something. I think that was the actual title. The Something.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: I couldn't... It's really hard to make jokes when things are this good and all I could do was like, oh yeah... Terrible titles. Let, the, let's do that. Terrible the, titles. The
1: something. The blandness. Yep. The time that thing did occur.
0: No, a lot of times they go with the sort of pretentious references. Like this one. Mm-hmm. A time to stand. And actually, Rocks and Shoals, the next one, is a reference to, like, some kind of Navy justice something or other.
1: More hippie music, probably.
0: Probably more hippie music from the Bible. Because mm, yeah. if there's one thing we know about hippies, they love the Bible.
1: They really do. I guess. Man, just more reasons to hate hippies. <laughs> you guys all—you guys are into peace, love, and the Bible. Ugh,
0: I hate all of those things. Ugh, way to alienate our hippie audience, Matt. That's fine. All right. Um, but yeah, this is like—I—I'm just gonna go right into my good thing. Yes. The—the the fact that we're actually further from our goal than we were at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you when this all wraps up, but it's not going to wrap up next time either. This yeah. goes on for a while. They're they're they haven't caught the station back. They haven't won the war. They're losing the war. They're doing worse than ever. Like this is how things are now. And the show's called Deep Space Nine, but half the guys aren't even on Deep Space Nine.
1: No, more than and... half the like all of our Starfleet guys are just off doing their own thing now.
0: Yeah. It's it's amazing. And at the time when this was airing, I I grew to both love and hate when I would watch the recap at the very beginning of the episode. And Majel Barrett would say, and now the continuation. It's like, oh, fuck you. That's not the conclusion. When she says the conclusion, you know, the arc's going to wrap up. And now the continuation means that it's just going to keep going. And I love it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely want this all the time. But on the other hand, it's frustrating as hell. (laughs) Because you get that feeling, like, you've never had this in Star Trek before, ever. And you get that feeling that you get at a a huge season-ending, you know, season-finale cliffhanger. Yeah. Except every week. Yeah. It's
1: great. I just want the the last episode of this arc to just be previously on Deep Space Nine. Major Kira meet Benjamin Sisko. (laughs)
0: Um but there's there's a lot going on and everybody's in a different place than they used to be and it's 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 fantastic
1: so fucking good oh my god
0: it does that thing that like i say star trek's never done before which is completely shake everyone from their comfort zones and put them in positions that are you know mm-hmm. that are awful yeah like no uh, apart from the dominion and the cardassians nobody's happy
1: yeah and not to jump ahead that's going to uh that's going to happen on the next episode too just uh a whole lot of nobody get, have nothing getting better.
0: Nope. Everything getting worse. Yep. I mean, you know, the last episode ended with these guys at least like uh you know, uh reconvening with their friends. Yeah. Meeting up with the fleet, and at least, like, hey, I'm. I, I we might have lost the station, but now I'm surrounded by a thousand powerful friends, and I'm going to be okay. Yeah, well, those no, thousand
1: powerful friends are down to three now, so...
0: There's that, and then there's the fact that they're stranded in enemy space in a stolen enemy ship mm-hmm. with no way to get home.
1: Yeah. Just, so. uh, just keeps getting better.
0: Yep. And then on the station, you got, uh, you got Kira, who we'll go more into in the next episode, just, like... Having to work with the new administration, ah, and, major. And, oh boy,
1: come into my office for a few minutes so we can talk.
0: Major. I did. I didn't touch on that, but this—that happened in this episode, and wow.
1: Oh man, it's um. Look, we've talked about creepy Guldukht def- before, but oh,
0: no, we haven't really. Because this is creepy Gul'dukat. Oh my god, he Before just... was normal, sort of subdued Gul'dukat.
1: Major, now that we're working together, I was wondering... Let's see, I have a few uh, suggestions for uh, working together for the next few years. Uh, first of all, is there any way that uniform could get any tighter?
0: Or you could just go topless. That, that works also too. Be...
1: Uh, the jacket, no longer required, and also I like it if your hair were to be worn down. I don't have enough hair to wear down. Well, we can work on that.
0: Also get you some glasses, down and on. Mm. Uh,
1: do a little twirl for me now.
0: Yeah. Ugh. it's it, there, he, this He's sc- horrible! The scene that we're describing is not much different than the slight comedic exaggeration that we just indulged in there. Oh, God. It's, I was hoping, like, yes, we work together, but I was hoping we could spend some personal time together.
1: What are you doing later? Well, I have a whole hour of throwing darts at your
0: picture. Yeah, I mean, the dartboard's free now that Chief O'Brien and Dr. Bashir aren't here, so I use it to, you know, mm-hmm. throw, throw darts at pictures of you.
1: Mm-hmm. I just, like, it It seems like when Ducat came on the station, he came on with a list that's just, Step one, t- retake station. Step two, make Major Kira fall in love with me. Yep. And that's the other thing. Like it's not just that he wants to have sex with her, which he clearly does, but she also she also needs to be in love with him.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely true. It's and, not it, the thing ugh. is he's got this weird obsession with her, but on the other hand, I feel like it's more than that because yeah. that would symbolize so much to him that would mean the Bajoran people have accepted him.
1: Yes. I'm one if, of I'm one of you now, the proud parent, finally accepted by the children who...
0: By the daughter who slept with him. Ew. Yep. I got a,
1: I got a whole weird thing going on here, Major. He
0: does, though. He yeah. He absolutely does. The The thread that sort of runs through the, the station uh, plot is uh, the Cardassians are there, the Dominion signed a treaty with the, the Bajorans saying they're, you know, we're not allowed to, to terrorize them anymore, guys. Um... But uh, the Cardassians are like, we're not going to give them weapons. We're not going to let Odo have his, uh, you know, mm-hmm. his uh, his security force with guns. We're giving the Bajorans guns? No.
1: Last time and that happened, they killed a shit ton of us for killing a bunch of them.
0: Even even Kira said, what, what's wrong? Are you afraid we're going to take the station back from you again?
1: And Damar's like, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, the the, the the chemistry between Damar and... Like, Demar's sort of the sneering, like, like, he doesn't trust any of them. No. He's fantastic. And we've talked before about how he was sort of a background guy, and now he's going to be more of a player. Yeah, he's player. gotten
1: a promotion now.
0: He's, he's Dukat's secondhand guy, and Dukat's so blind by, one, his desire to have this station that is the most important thing, and two, winning over Kira. Like, his priorities are all out of whack, and Demar's sort of the sensible one saying, dude, this is not going to help our people. Yeah. Stop it. What
1: are you doing?
0: Yeah. What are you even doing? Your weird obsession with that one Bajoran woman doesn't make any sense.
1: Wait, seriously, dude. Yeah. Calm down. Yep. Here, here, take this this copy of *Play Bajoran* and go to your office. <laughs> I can't. The doors are clear.
0: <laughs> Behold, Ducat. Plus, that baseball is there mocking me.
1: Hey there, Ducat. What you doing? <laughs> Gonna jerk off to some Bajoran porn?
0: We can't even masturbate. He's like, oh hey, bud. You're gonna, gonna rub one out, are you? <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it, there, there's a rich tapestry of, of of character interactions. There's a great dynamic of just like like the Cardassians don't want the Bajorans to have power, but the, the, the Dominion are very interested in keeping their new friends, the Bajorans, happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just a great, everyone's pulling in their own direction, and it creates just this fantastic chaos. I yep, love it. it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. It's um, And then and then we get the great Weyun like, uh, when uh, Kira and Oda are talking, and they're like, but they think of you as, he thinks of you as a god. You can literally walk in there and ask for whatever you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I'd like to get my Bajoran security force back. And Wayoon does not miss a beat. He says, consider it done. Yeah, I'll do it right now. Like, there is not a moment's hesitation there. It is perfect comedic timing.
1: Well, and see, they they start, excuse me, when when Kira brings it up the first time, he's just like, oh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. The Cardassians are pretty uh, set on being the only ones with weapons on the station, and I have to side with them. As soon as Odo shows up.
0: Yep. All that drops away. Yeah, I
1: said, I want my guys back. Done. What else can I do for you?
0: The the I wish this was my observation. This was uh, Brian uh, who had mentioned this, just that uh Weyun is so clearly just infatuated mm-hmm. with Odo on an almost romantic level. Not in a creepy Ducat way, just in a sort of like, has he talked about me? Has he said anything about me? It's Let's like, go to his house now.
1: It's like if you could see a copy of Weyun's Trapper Keeper, it would say Mr. Wayoon Odo written on it <laughs> with a little heart.
0: Yeah. Yep. You pointed out he does that. He does that deference thing where he sort of spreads his arm and says, Founder, where it's supposed to be almost like a religious thing. Mm-hmm. And you said, he just wants a hug. Yeah. Because <laughs> that is what it looks like. Hey, buddy.
1: Come and, on. G- come on, get in close. There and, we go. Uh,
0: Brian also pointed out that Wayun comes off uh, uh, just the gayest guy on the station. Not not that he is actually gay, but just that he he has that vibe. I don't
1: know if Vorta actually have sex. I think... It,
0: I think it may be revealed at some point they don't have genitals actually. Yeah, I... like that's not a plot point, so yeah. I don't feel like it's a spoiler. But I, I I'm pretty sure that's revealed at some point mm. or not revealed.
1: That doesn't surprise me.
0: But like they don't they don't have sex because yeah, they're... they're they're clones.
1: Yeah, they got the angel crotch like in Dogma.
0: Right, but yeah, and yet he is so gay for Oda. Oh yeah like he's he's a bit mincy well, he's that, a bit it's that weird
1: bred-in religious fanaticism that the uh, the founders gave them
0: well but that and the combina- the combination of that and also having to be the negotiator and the sort of slimy guy mm-hmm. means he has to be charming so he's got to be charming and deferential menacing but also not threatening like it's a complicated yeah. mix and <laughs> it just comes off a bit gay yeah uh, which oh, which no. is which is not a complaint
1: How's it going, buddy? Do you want a back rub? There we go. A lot of yeah. tension back here. I, nope. No, I'm just naturally lumpy back there right now. Hang on.
0: There, that's better. Yeah. It's But uh, just the dynamic between everyone. And and we get to see Jake again, mm-hmm. and he's, he's okay, yep. which is good. They didn't murder him. They didn't put him, you know, he wasn't the first against the wall when the revolution came. Which is a plus. Yeah, there's actually
1: a great scene with him and Wayoon. That's my good thing. Where uh-huh. uh, Jake's trying to get the free press going out of the station.
0: <laughs> he actually says, "What about freedom of the press?"
1: <clears throat> and Wayoon's literally like, "Oh, sweetie, you're not that naive, are you?" Yeah, I just
0: Wayoon in general
1: fascinates me. He's so fucking weird. He well, the Vorda in
0: general are weird. But he's got but like he's got this, specifically.
1: He's got this sort of natural affability.
0: Well, something—I think it's in your notes. You pointed out he just—he thinks his way is the right way, and he just thinks if everyone would do what he says that everything would be fine. Yeah,
1: it's like, like listen, if you guys would all just listen, we would all get along perfectly.
0: Listen, I know the way forward. Stop fighting and just Ever- do what I say, and ev- everything will be all right.
1: Everything's going to be okay, all right?
0: The founders have a plan, and I'm here to enact that plan. Yeah,
1: that's, that's all going to be fine. There's going to be no more killing. We're all just going to get along. It's kind of beautiful if it weren't, you know— Awful.
0: The, the end of everything. Well, even, like, let's look at it from a, you know, like, obviously, this is the now the third series where we're meant to sympathize with the Federation <laughs> and with Starfleet. Those are the good guys in our minds for a long, long time. Mm. But trying to step back and be objective about it, it's still kind of awful. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, the, the Cardassians are, are just, like, not good. Like, the first thing they want to do is take Bajor back. Ah. They want to violate this treaty and just go, you know, steal all the resources and enslave all the people again. And, you know, they're just going to go back to their old ways. Well,
1: I think the big problem with the Cardassians right now is that Dukat is in charge of them. And he is insane.
0: Yeah, but Damar wants all that stuff, too.
1: Well, yes, he's looking... But he's looking out for, like, the, like you know, the glory of the Cardassian Empire and returning it to, you know, the good old days. But you've got Dukat in charge of the entire fucking empire... And he's just like, I want this station, and I want to have sex with that Bajoran woman. And after that, whatever.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, it'll be maybe, fine.
0: Maybe maybe my other goals will dovetail with the goals of the Dominion. We'll see. Eh, whatever. Also, maybe my people could eat again, or not. Whatever. Yeah. It's
1: fine. My son, whose birthday it is, <laughs> again, yep, was going to take him to the amusement center for some amusement.
0: Well, he's got a lot of sons. Yeah, apparently. And daughters. We've only
1: ever seen one of them.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah, the, the whole Jake thing is really interesting, because he does expect there to be freedom of the press. Yep. Which, like, would be a bit naive under even under the Federation during a war. Mm-hmm. But particularly to expect the Dominion to say, oh, sure, you can just write uh you know basically intelligence reports back to starfleet yeah
1: of course why would... from
0: from deep within our entrenched headquarters cool. just go ahead and tell them what we're doing here that's why, good
1: why wouldn't we allow that he's yeah. so he's so 19 year old journalist
0: yeah he is but this is the right thing to do oh but what oh, about honey. the freedom of press what about never... the glory of the written word we never promised you that who said that you just that's... stuck around that's federation bullshit. There, we never, we never guaranteed anybody that.
1: Man, let me introduce you to something called the Dominion newspaper. It's a, it's one, it's a one piece of paper that says everything is fine on it.
0: <laughs> Imagining the Dominion basically being like North Korea. Yeah. Where everything is all except instead of just the one glorious leader, there's the one glorious, you know, like Planet. blob, blob of guys.
1: No, that's pretty accurate for North Korea.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's always been Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-un, whatever. But yeah. but here it would just be the the you know, the Great Link. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll all the, the Great Link today rescued a kitten. <laughs> and the Great Link today flew a fighter plane. <laughs> just all that all stuff.
1: All glory to the Great Link.
0: <laughs> well, now they're just the hypno toad. Uh, let's see what else do we got. Uh I, we got we we got a really interesting bridge crew out of this.
1: Oh yeah, we got we... like Go Nog is front and center now,
0: which is kind of cool. Yeah, he fits really well. Like Nog was he was I never had the problems with him I had with uh, Rom, but he's really come into his own as a as a character. The whole we've never really seen things from a cadet's perspective before. No, like Wesley was always I'm good enough to be here and I'm not scared and I'm not you know like. Like, Nog's not scared, but you get the sort of junior, inexperienced guy perspective Mm -hmm. that you never got from Wesley, which is good.
1: Well, uh, Nog doesn't have that sort of built-in self-assurance that he's the smartest guy in the room, too. Right, that's what I mean. He's
0: still got to prove himself. Yeah,
1: exactly. He's just some
0: dude. Yep. You know? Which is great. And they don't really fixate on the Ferengi thing, like, occasionally make an ear joke or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, he's just his job now is to be the cadet. Yeah. And the cadet that everyone knows, so it's not like he's a he's a stranger.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's just like, it's just, it's just sort of like the new guy on the crew, but it's, not the it's, new guy we don't know.
0: It's like he, when we get those episodes with Chief O'Brien and his uh, engineering teams. Yeah. Except, you know, like with Enrique or with whoever we had uh, a couple of weeks ago with the Garrick Kills Everyone episode. Mm-hmm. Like that, except it's not a guy that's been introduced once and we'll never see again. It's a guy we already know, so we get the we we get the benefit of that relationship with someone we already know, which mm. is cool. I really like that, and he and chief O'Brien in particular, have a fun relationship, yeah where it's like uh we gotta we gotta uh repair the damn stabilizers. Well, I tried that, but then the damn warp inducer went offline, but what about the damn you know like
1: <laughs> well, fix it and watch your mouth,
0: <laughs> yep, it's great, Ugh. Uh, but I just, in general, the the mix, like, because I don't. This was not by design at the beginning of the show, but now we have a bridge crew that's Cisco, Dax, and O'Brien, and then like Nog, and then Garrick. Yeah, and these guys are all a unique combination of guys we've never had before, and it works really well.
1: It just shows up on the bridge. Oh, Garrick, what are you doing here? You come to see us off and wave an handkerchief? Uh, <laughs> no, Doctor. It appears I will be joining the crew.
0: It's nice because you know he's got a special set of skills, as they say, a specific mm-hmm. set of skills. I don't even remember the line. They gave
1: him his own combat, which I'm sure Worf loves.
0: (laughs) Look, Mr. Worf, they've let me join Starfleet after all. Look,
1: you thought it wouldn't happen, but here I am. Yep.
0: And where are you? You're not even on the Starfleet ship right now, are you? I'm gonna go
1: join the Klingon ship. I don't need this crap.
0: Ugh, we don't want him. Can't I have Dax instead? Please, I want the good Klingon. (laughs) God... That scene, I like. I it really just set me up to do the joke about uh, Martok rolling his eye, which I was happy about. <laughs> but I, seriously, the idea that Worf has talked about nothing but his wedding—oh my god—for the past three months serving under Martok just is hilarious. I must prepare for the wedding.
1: Oh my god, you are just. Why are we friends?
0: <laughs> Help me pick out dress patterns for Jedzia <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you think this looks pretty?
0: we can't We can't sit th- this ambassador and this captain next to each other. These Those guys don't like each other. And who's going to take the pictures? <laughs> just, just fantastic.
1: I was really hoping Captain Picard would marry us, but I can't get a hold of him. No, I'm not home.
0: Sorry, we're in the past or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Some
1: kind of bullshit
0: <laughs> We'll call you when there's another movie. <laughs> uh, my bad thing. Is while while that mix of Starfleet guys and uh, Garrick <laughs> is great. Like, they're using him because, you know, he does have very specific, like, uh, interesting skills. Plus, it's good to have a Cardassian along to, to do Cardassian-y type stuff when they need it. Yeah, that's always important. There's the weird, like, they don't have a view screen on the uh, Jem'Hadar Bridge. They have these cool, like, uh, headsets. And uh, they they hurt like they, the hu- the idea that I get is humans are not really well suited to that. No, like it's not like Cisco gets a headache wearing it, but I feel like all the other guys would too. Yeah, but Cardassians do okay with them, so so it's nice just to have a guy who could use the equipment. But Bashir doesn't really fit. I don't know the role that they're giving him is kind of like. Uh, the narrator?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, like, well, Captain, as you as you and everyone else knows, this is happening, but I have to explain it so the people at home know what we're talking about.
0: And there is a lot of plot going on, like, a lot, and you do need to catch people up who maybe missed a bit, but some of it's done more smoothly than others, and giving that to Bashir really didn't do him any favors. Well,
1: I do have the nicest speaking voice on the ship. I'd <laughs> argue with that. I would, uh, I would argue with that, Doctor.
0: As would I. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. We, we had some discussion about that, and I think the results were inconclusive.
1: Yeah, no, it's a real question. Who has the prettiest voice on the ship right now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Who, like the, the real question is, if there were an unabridged audiobook of, of this, who would you want reading it to you?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one.
0: And to me, Avery Brooks, no question.
1: As I walked across the bridge, yep. wondering what happened to my son.
0: It gave me a headache. Um, what was but that? But anyway, giving oh, yes. him... The oh, ship. God. Yeah, now, if if he did it in the style of Avery Brooks... Yeah. Who? No. Me. The, the answer is no.
1: What? what are you
0: doing over there? The captain of the ship is who? Sisko. <laughs> yeah. Um. My name is who? My name is what? Chicka-chicka Chicka Chicka Avery Chicka Brooks. Chicka-chicka Ben Sisko. <laughs> Hi. But... But that said, they're they're sort of leaning into Bashir's uh, genetic engineer thing now, which this is the start of them talking about it all the time, which I don't love. Mm. But they're, they did sort of give him the Spock slash data thing where he knows the precise statistics. Yeah. And a couple of times that did pay off as a good joke, as it did with those guys in the past. So so that was okay. It's like, like
1: we've been wanting to make statistic jokes on this show for like six years now. We finally can.
0: The thing is, Dax is kind of capable of that, but she's too cool for that. Yeah. And Bashir is not too cool for that.
1: I'm not too cool for anything. But what? there's a
0: there's a line at the very end where it's like we're you know the warp engines are out we're stuck out here for a very long time. How long? A very long time. Yeah, but but how long? And then Bashir gets the line that Spock or Data would have had:
1: seventeen like, years and some other amount of time.
0: Yeah, six six days, two hours, give or take an hour. An hour. Yep.
1: <laughs> Bond. <laughs> how British am I?
0: But overall, like I also do feel like if he was always do if he was always talking like that, like early on when he met Dax, that totally would have won her over.
1: Oh, totally!
0: Like she's like, <clears throat> how come you couldn't have been this sexy three years ago when you were trying to get with me? Missed
1: your chance there, Julian. Ah, what a thing to happen.
0: <laughs> I guess uh, I'll
1: just look incredibly sexy instead.
0: Okay, let's talk about that then.
1: We get a shot of Julian, um. With his uh, basically just his shirt unbuttoned at the front, so he got a little bit of chest and his uh, uh, sleeves sleeves rolled rolled up. up. And goddamn.
0: Well, I know you have said in the past you find him attractive. I see it, Mm -hmm. but I see it more in like his uh, like charisma and his charm in that sort of boyish grin. Yeah, and usually that's
1: it. But uh... I
0: I never really thought of his physique. As wow. being the thing that that is you know appealing about him.
1: I don't know what to tell you, but uh, you unbutton those buttons, and good god! All right, All right. hey me, you like what you like. That is a chunk of Bashir right there. Fair enough.
0: I just I think of him as being like charming, like that's that's what I find attractive mm-hmm. about Siddig, is just that you know when when they're when they're writing him right and when he's playing him right, he's extremely charming. Yep. But physically, he's got—you know—he's—he's not—he's not particularly imposing. We got some nice, like big, like broad-shouldered men, and he is not one of them. Yeah. So, guess it depends on what your type is. I guess
1: maybe he started taking roids over the summer.
0: Oh, did you? Did you? Did you think he was sort of muscly? Because what I'm saying is, not I thought really, you were. because
1: I'm not really into muscly guys.
0: I didn't think so. <clears throat> uh, anything else?
1: Uh, no.
0: All right, well, there's my quote. Which, oh, yeah, uh, let's talk about that. Well, let's is, play it, then talk about it. All right, well, I'm going to set it up first, because this is, uh, this is Cisco talking to, having the discussion he's been dreading with his dad uh, about what happened to Jake. Benjamin, you haven't spoken to him for months, and Jake is his grandson. How do I explain that I evacuated every Federation citizen off Deep Space Nine except his grandson?
1: You'll think of something.
0: You always do. You did what? Dad, it's not quite as bad as it sounds.
1: You mean you didn't leave my grandson at the mercy of a vicious,
0: bloodthirsty enemy? Well, which I just, his dad, like, I I wanted to use that whole scene. It's like five minutes long. His dad has this great sort of naive, like, in a similar way to Jake. mm Mm-hmm. I'm not in the military, I don't understand how all this works, why can't it just be like this?
1: Yeah. Well, I And mean, I love it. It's that whole being on Earth thing, nothing happens on Earth, it's pretty safe there, you know? What's you, can, that? <clears throat> you can read on the news that something's, that like, oh yeah, there's this big war happening, well... You
0: know, light years from here.
1: I'm still fine. Yeah.
0: They're never gonna take Earth, I mean, it's been threatened a couple of times, but there's always a ship called Enterprise coming to save us, yeah. so, you know. You if they have to go
1: back in time to save us, whatever.
0: Yeah, a couple of times they did that. Yeah, but it always it always works out. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I just like I like that. Uh, I always call him Papa Cisco. It's it's Joseph. Yep, Cisco. But nobody ever calls him by his name. It's always Dad or Granddad. Yep. Um, Even Dax
1: just, calls him that.
0: I, I don't know that she ever talked to him. Oh huh, well, she talks about him. I don't know that they ever we ever see them meet. Well, she wasn't on Earth in that one episode.
1: Well, we should. That sounds like it would be really cool. It does. Those are two people who should go together.
0: Yes, I agree. They're, they're both sort of like the, the angel and devil on uh, Ben's shoulder, as yep. it were. But um, I, don't, I, I like both through Jake and through uh, Joseph, Papa Sisko, just that we get this uh, uh, civilian perspective that we don't usually get on a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. It's like I was talking about earlier. We always follow the Starfleet guys. But what's it like to people who aren't in the military who think, yes, the war is an important thing that we need to do? And they're like, well, well no. I mean, he, he says this great sort of, like, like old man, naive, like, the, you're always telling me space is so big. Why, why can't you all just agree that we stay over here and you stay over there? Like, well, why, what are you going to fight about? That's
1: beautiful, Dad, but, uh,
0: no. Yeah. Here, I've got a box of doves for you to release. Yeah, listen. Listen, Gene. It's great. It would be great if everything was like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not. No. Oh. Now take off that sweater vest.
1: I've got eyes in my nose. <clears throat>
0: uh, But that's all I had. Yeah. I have a real hard time. Like, we possibly touched on some things that happened in the next episode. Because cause this next run, and I, again, for spoilers' sake, I won't say how many there are. But things are going to go like this for a while. And I have a I have a real trouble, like, distinguishing one episode from the next just because it's all one long, big story. Yeah, they
1: tend to blend into each other.
0: In a good way. Yeah because we're getting this big like epic story but it's like we may have already covered some things that happened in this episode cuz i don't remember which one was which yeah but that said there's still plenty left to talk about in rocks and shoals
1: all right so the captured gemindar ship is chased into a nearby nebula where dax is exploded and then so is the rest of the ship <clears throat> the ship sets ground on the shore of this uncharted planet with garrick the captain too chief o'brien not his wife A guy named Nog, and the rest, here on a planet that turns out to have a shit ton of Jem'Hadar on it. Uh, (laughs) That last bit's not very
0: catchy. Doesn't really track. So,
1: while the crew of the not-so-good ship, the USS, I hope nobody notices we're not actually Jem'Hadar, pulls a smoldering Dax from the wreckage, we cut to a camp of Jem'Hadar nearby, and their injured asshole Vorta, who has a giant hole in him, and a diminished supply of Ketrasol White. All he's hoping for is to get off the planet before his giant hole kills him. So he's very excited when two of his soldiers captured Nog and Garrick, and try to trade them back to the cap- for the captain and Dr. Bashir. Really, they should only get Bashir and half of Cisco, but, uh, you know, whatever. Back on DS9, uh, excuse me, Terok Nor, Kira's settling into her brand new job as a giant sellout. This mostly consists of trying not to get anyone killed and also not being sexually harassed by Gul Dukat, who really cranked up the creep factor when he got home. <clears throat> when he puts, when she puts a stop to an anti-occupation demonstration and one of the local vedics kills herself in protest, for some reason, Kier realizes it might be time to get these Cardassians off of this fucking space station. Back on planet Nothing, the dying Vorta tries to make a deal with Sisko. If Sisko and his people massacre the remaining Jem'Hadar uh, Hadar before they go white crazy, the Vorta will present them with a working communication system. Sisko doesn't like it, but when he tries to get help from the Jem'Hadar, the guy won't hear of it. Dude's gotta do what the Vorta says. So the Jem'Hadar all get massacred like it's the end of Butch and Sundance. The guys go home and the Vorta spends the war happily in a lovely Starfleet POW prison. Happy endings for everyone? Even worse than last time. It just keeps getting worse. Yep. The only person who gets exactly what they want is the piece of shit Vorta.
0: Oh boy, is he a piece of shit.
1: Oh my god, he's my good thing. He's so terrible. Yep. He's just this complete bag who just spends the entire episode dripping with contempt for this je- the Jem'Hadars that he's working for and the Starfleet guys he's also working for.
0: Well, we've seen <sighs> that relationship between a Vorda and the Jem'Hadar before where they've been doing this for so long and some of them kind of resent it like in both directions. The Jem'Hadar really don't like having to answer to the Vorda. The Vorda really don't like all this ritual bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting. But we've seen five or six Vorda at this point and they're all... Similar, but completely different. And this yep. guy is different all over again while still being completely Vorta-like. It's great.
1: Yep. No, there's a, there's a scene right at the end after our uh, guys have massacred the Jem'Hadar. <clears throat> the um, ground is just completely covered in Jem'Hadar corpses. And here comes this motherfucker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Walking across. He, he's, he might as well be skipping and whistling as yep. he walks across the field, uh, carefully stepping over the corpses of his men. And there's a shot where Sisko just... <clears throat> he almost blows him away with the phaser rifle. It's amazing.
0: Well, the the connection, and we've seen this before, but not quite in this way. The connection Cisco feels to the soldiers doing their duty is there's a respect there. Yeah. He doesn't respect the Vorda at all. He can't trust them. They will shoot him in the back or they will make a plan that will have him shot in the back or Mm -hmm. whatever. You know, like you never know what they're going to do. Whereas the Jemadar, if they look you in the eye and say, no, we promise we will not shoot you. We make these negotiations in good faith. He knows he can he can believe them. Yeah. And it's a great sort of soldier-to-soldier thing that he has with these guys.
1: Well, and it's also something, like, Captain Sisko is an incredibly good leader. Like, he takes care yes. of his men. And having, seeing someone with that disdain for their own people is just, it's completely uh, the opposite of what he believes in.
0: Well, and that's another way he respects the Gemadar, because whoever's the first, or in this case, he doesn't get the title of first because he sassed back, mm-hmm. but he still is in, you know, in charge of the unit. Like, that's who Sisko really makes a connection with, like... You're going to take care of your guys just like I'm going to take care of my guys. There, we got some common ground. Yeah. And that's why he respects and likes them a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like working with Klingons. They're different enough that it's not like, oh, the Klingons again. But it is similar that they have that that, that sort of code of honor and that kind of thing.
1: Well, we talked about this before. They're basically Klingons without the, uh, you know, the fun
0: side. So, Worf. Yeah, basically. Right. It's like an army of Worf. Oh, God, we're doomed. <laughs> just a
1: just a giant chunk of guys charging towards you we want to know what you think of this dress pattern
0: <laughs> oh their poor sons uh,
1: when will the traditional bloodletting ceremony take place <clears throat> we don't have children
0: oh thank goodness
1: <laughs> <laughs> no they do they're just locked in a closet somewhere
0: oh of course <laughs> no i i the the Jemadar in particular like i say we've we've seen so many different ones at this point but this guy is so like he shares characteristics with Weyoun and with the other guys, but he takes this to a different level here. Like, he's only interested in, like, keeping himself alive. He does not give a fuck about these Hadar at all. Nope. And it's interesting because a lot of them see it that way. They're like, these are the tools you have given me. If one of those tools breaks in in over the course of my job, so what? There's always more. Yeah, we could just make some more. Yeah. It's not like they're people. Yeah. Like they they re- he really just sees them as disposable. You know, like a, a disposable protective tool, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And the guy playing him is fantastic because oh, he's God. got he's such a garbage person. They cast a very similar guy for all you know for all these Vorta that they've had, mm-hmm. but they're all again very de- like I'm. I'm really fixating on the fact that all all the all the Vorda we've seen are uniquely shady and slimy.
1: Yeah, they're like. They all have that in common, but there's always something else there, too.
0: But it amazes me from a writing standpoint and from a performance standpoint that they've managed to find so many subtle shades of slimy mm-hmm. after all this time. Like, how many different ways can you, you know, how many different riffs are there on this topic? And it turns out a lot.
1: Apparently quite a few. At least Which four like. so far. Yeah.
0: I think it's more than that. But I can't, like, I'd have to go back and think about, you know.
1: Off the like, top of my head, there's been three dude vortas and one girl Vorda.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. there's, I think there's been, I think there's been more than that, but I, I don't know. I might be also thinking ahead, because sometimes I remember episodes that we haven't seen yet on this show. So right. So, just gonna, just gonna leave that alone for now. In any case, he's fantastic, and the guy they cast is one in a series of great guys they've cast as Vorda. Yep. Where he, everything he says, you're just like, oh, you're so
1: terrible. Shh. You just want to keep hitting him and never stop hitting him.
0: Yep. And Cisco's just palpable disgust for him
1: yeah, get this yeah. take him back to camp
0: yep oh it's so great
1: thank you captain i can see this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful friendship don't quote movies to me
0: <laughs> you weren't even there for movie night <laughs>
1: i was brother right
0: <laughs> no no wrong this week really liked casablanca <laughs> brother um so my good thing yes is this is one of those like I talked about this last time? I was gonna say last week. Last week was supplemental. Two weeks ago, um, with the uh, the taking of the station, the baseball thing, all that, as being like powerful moments that stick with me. When I think of this series, I think of three or four moments. Another one is this episode, this series of scenes where Kira wakes up every morning, looks at herself in the mirror, goes to work, surrounded by Cardassians and Jim Hadar realizes just how much of a sellout she is. Yeah.
1: I love, there's this shot where she's just working, and she sort of looks up, and there's Cardassians and Jem Hadar, and she looks behind her, and there's more Cardassians and Jem Hadar, and then a Cardassian brings her a cup of coffee, and she's just like, what the fuck is happening?
0: But it's a completely wordless scene. Yeah. It's all done with with directing and with acting. She does it all, it's all in the face and the body language. It's so great. Mm -hmm. And it's so like, but in particular, I like the device of Cut back to her quarters. The computer wakes her up with, it is 0530, you know, hours or whatever. Yeah. And she gets up and she looks at herself in the mirror and it's just so like, oh, how can I even do, how can I even keep doing this? This is everything I hate. Yeah, And I love it. I love, uh, to get a little personal for a minute, uh, I uh, just um, sort of philosophically, politically, I consider myself a bit of a pacifist. I'm not big on war and hurting people and guns and stuff like that. And I worked for the military for a long time. And it just sort of resonated with me watching that the first time when I was working with the military and I was like, that's how I feel sometimes. Yeah. How can I do this? How can I betray my personal, you know, ethics to, to just to keep things moving? That's Uh terrible.
1: Well, the money's good.
0: (laughs) It it was really good. (laughs) Everybody has a price, (laughs) man. But with her, it's just because this is the only way to keep her people, you know, to keep her planet from being invaded, basically, Mm -hmm. is to. Play nice with these guys, and it's just awful. And I love the way it plays out with this Vedic, who makes her realize, "Well, shit, you're right. I five years ago, I would have been on your side." And you know, you you like, we're gonna have a protest. You can't do that. That is gonna upset the the status quo. And it's then it's like, like, wait, what am I saying? Man,
1: what do I care about the status quo?
0: Yeah, what happened to me, man? I used to be cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. Where are my Kira's hippie... still cool. You pay later. <laughs> Where are my hippie glasses? I need to put those on.
0: But I... Oh, Kira and glasses. Ooh. Yeah. That got me thinking. Uh...
1: Hey! Get away from her.
0: Nope. I will not.
1: You st- you chose Dax and you're stuck with her.
0: Oh, well, alright. Yeah. That also in... Well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I'll save that for the spoiler section. Yep. Uh, but my bad thing ties into all this which is, I I love, it's not exactly subtle that she's looking, like, looking at yourself in the mirror is not a subtle symbol. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But I was okay with that. But then there's a scene at the end where she says, looking at myself in the mirror every day, I can't believe what I've turned into. Mm -hmm. And it's like, come on, guys, you had a nice visual thing going there. You You didn't have to shine a spotlight on
1: it. It feels like there's been a lot of that in DS9. Like, I've noticed that a couple of times where...
0: Well, it's like I said in the previous episode with Bashir being the narrator. Yeah. And I'll cut them some slack because I was reading in memory alpha that this run of serialized episodes was something they had never, none of them had ever done before, not just in Star Trek, but in any of anything any of them have ever worked on before. Yeah. Like they all came from different TV shows prior to this and they'd never done it before. And they had a lot of moving parts and different guys wrote different episodes and it was hard for them to keep straight what happened where. And so sometimes you have to over explain stuff because you're just not sure that all the pieces came together and everyone completely understands what's going on because it's really complicated. Right. So I get that, but it still feels clumsy. Yeah. So, But still, it is, it is seriously one of the most powerful things the show's ever done, I think. Just showing how far she's come, putting her in this corner, making her realize she's in that corner, and saying, Jesus, God, I what have I—what
1: what happened? I used to hate people like this.
0: Yep. And you, you mentioned in your summary—I'm curious if you actually think this— mm. That the Vedic kills herself for some reason. Did did you not? Oh no, I. Like, fucking, are you just making a joke? Or? Uh, no,
1: I fucking get it. Like, come
0: on. Okay. Well, I don't know if you thought maybe she went too far. If if the situation didn't call for that, that kind of. Thing. I
1: the, my my only problem with it is I don't think the Cardassians would give a shit.
0: No, the Cardassians don't give a shit. It's like it's, it's like it's a wake up call to people like Kira. Yeah, that's what she did it for. I think. Like it 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 did exactly what she meant for it to do, which is to make the Bajoran people realize. You're okay with this, but it's not okay. I was
1: thinking about this though. It's been so long since I've seen Rope on any episode of Star Trek, and all I can picture is her going to a replicator and going, "Computer, hanging rope, please." Yep. Uh in a noose. <laughs> Save me some time.
0: Yeah, look, the 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 the, the Jem'Hadar have shut off the uh the, the internet to the wider, you know, Federation, so I can't look up YouTube how-to videos on how to make a noose. <laughs>
1: Uh, I've seen those videos. They are unpleasant. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Here's how to make a noose. Yep. You know, for whatever purpose you might need one for.
0: <laughs> it's all legitimate,
1: you know. Ah. Nah. Ah, yeah. Nah. Nah, yeah. Not
0: sure what we're doing here. Nope. Uh, what was your bad thing?
1: Uh, so we have Jake really slipping into his role as a journalist, well, in that mm-hmm. he is really being a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, between pissing wei off and also pissing off his actual friends, he is not making any friends on this station.
0: It's interesting that your bad thing for this episode is effectively your good thing for the previous episode. I know! Is it is it already getting tiresome for it's you?
1: It's not tiresome, it's just like, I. it's like, it seems like he's not really clear on what he's supposed to be doing, which makes sense since he's like 19-year-old journalist and that is a very specific type of person. I've met that type of person.
0: I was that type of person. Yeah, it's just
1: like, the truth and all that crap. Uh It's like, well, we don't really have time for the truth right now. We really can't have you sniffing around right now asking us the hard questions. This
0: is a super, super tense situation. One misstep could completely fuck everything up for everyone in the entire quadrant.
1: And you're just happily wandering back and forth between us and Wei Yun asking for quotes.
0: Yeah, not a good idea. No, so just to be clear, I always always like to clarify when you say that something is bad. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not bad writing. It's not bad characterization. No, not at all. You just think Jake is making bad decisions. It's in character. Yeah,
1: it's literally like, Jake, shut up. Yeah. Everything is hard enough right now. But it's not
0: bad in the sense that it makes the episode bad. No. If anything, it's a a realistic and interesting way to take this character, and it creates more tension.
1: No, I think it's a great way to take this character. I just think he personally is being an idiot.
0: Yeah, okay. No, I just want to clarify, because... Sometimes we use the good things and bad things to say stuff that we like about the way the episode was put together, and sometimes we use yeah. them sort of in-universe in, in universe good thing, bad thing, where, mm-hmm. like, this character did a stupid thing, and that's bad.
1: You are not... You are... Just don't, okay? Back off, man. We had enough crap going on right now.
0: But it really... We talked about this before, but now we're seeing it in action. Mm-hmm. Jake is now being put somewhere where he's no longer Cisco's son. He's a guy in and of himself... Like. He's, he's really coming into his own as a, yeah. as a unique character.
1: A unique character who has made nothing but poor decisions.
0: This is true, but he's a teenager thrown into a situation way over his head, and that's probably going to happen. Yep. So it, it fits. But what I'm saying is, I, I said this before, whenever the defining characteristic of a character is their relationship to another character, that's never, like, the best thing. No. If Dax's only role was to be Worf's girlfriend, that wouldn't be great. That's just one thing about her. Yeah, no. Giving like Jake... Jake. Jake needs to be more than Cisco's son. He needs to be a unique person and with his own motives and making his own stupid mistakes and yes. all that. And and they're doing that with him for really the first time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Instead of just making him this cool guy that Cisco talks to sometimes, now he's got his own adventure here. Yeah, and I like that.
1: Also, while we're on the topic, I think it's hilarious that he's taller than the Jim Hadar.
0: He's taller than everyone. Yep. Have we ever had a scene with him and uh, uh, the Nagus' uh, assistant, Mayhardu?
1: Not that I can think of.
0: Because I'm very curious to see how that stacks. I want a, I want an episode where Mayhardu and Mr. Hom and Jake are all doing something together. I don't know.
1: They go on a picnic.
0: Go, or trapped in an elevator or, uh, uh, you know, playing Dabo at Quarks. It doesn't matter. I desperately
1: want to see them stuck in an elevator because two of those people don't talk.
0: Oh, that's true.
1: So it's just Jake... So how are you guys doing? We have a tough room.
0: And he's a guy who's constantly wanting to get people to talk. Yeah. Because he fancies himself a journalist. Now. Yep. So yeah, that would be extra good. Plus I don't think any of them can fit in an elevator. Like I think they're <laughs> all stooped down for hours. Well, <laughs> there
1: there's that shot in this episode where there's like six gem hadar packed into an elevator and Kira gets on. Yep. Those things are roomier than they look.
0: Well, and it's it's an interesting visual way because she is a bit slight. Yep. And we know, she. we've certainly gotten enough of her establishing her cred that we know she's tough. Oh, yeah. So it's not like, oh, look at the wispy little woman. It's more just like, she's surrounded by big scary things. Yep.
1: Spread out, losers. Yeah. Now Kira's here.
0: (laughs) But it's a nice way to emphasize that she is also in a bit over her head, literally. Yep. They are all over her head. (laughs) There's just, all that station stuff is so, like I said about the previous episode, such an interconnected web of everyone's got a role that makes things a little more tense. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's, it's great. So uh, awesome. Back, back to the planet stuff. Yes. This is probably the best looking location shoot I've ever seen them do on the show.
1: Oh trip. man, it looks so good. I don't know if they just went out into the, the wilds of LA again. Like they, normally they did. Do, this but is, but, I was uh...
0: reading on memory alpha. This is a location they've been to before. I think they were actually in the episode where they captured the crash gem at our ship. It's the same place. But uh, like this this is the same location, yeah. but it somehow it look, they shot it differently. It
1: looks fantastic.
0: It does, and they get some. I think what really strikes me is they're not shooting in tiny corners of this area.
1: Mm-hmm. They just you can see it all spread out in all directions.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that works when you're supposed to be on a desolate planet. Mm-hmm. You need to see a small person versus a a, a large environment for yeah. that to really work. If if you're still just shooting in one little like ten square feet area of it, then it could still be a set.
1: Yeah. No, there's a great shot of the uh, the Crash Gem at our ship sinking into the, uh, I guess it's the lake, mm-hmm. but it looks just awesome.
0: And apparently that was CG.
1: Oh, well, it looked really good.
0: Yeah, apparently there is actual water there, but they went CG with, with the water for some reason. Because yeah. well, cu- it made it look more like they wanted to, I guess.
1: Well, well, kudos to you.
0: Yep. But we had talked about this briefly, about how we were gonna, we didn't know if we were gonna like the move to more cgi or not
1: no i mean it's so far it's looked quite good the um yeah. <clears throat> the way the station looks with like all the oh. gem and Card- Cardassian ships around it's amazing
0: yeah those establishing shots that look like you know establishing shots of the death star with with 50 tie fighters coming in <sighs> yeah exactly like... they
1: might as well be playing the imperial march as you uh as they yeah. zoom in
0: yeah it's it i mean it looks like a fortress Whereas under under Cisco, it you know there were ships, but yeah, it never like, looked imposing.
1: There's our friendly DS9, and I was like, oh,
0: yeah. No, it, it looks we- like welcome like a to
1: Terok Nor, Major. Hope, Hope you survive, you survive the experience. experience.
0: Yes, yes. Um,
1: and also welcome to Jurassic Park.
0: Welcome to the 24th century.
1: <laughs> Hope you survive the experience, Major.
0: Uh what else? Um
1: So we got this great scene with uh uh Nog and uh Garrick. Oh yeah. When they're out uh looking for water and uh whatever rations. Mm-hmm. And Garrick sort of notices Nog's walking foot. He's like, What are you doing? Why why won't you why do you keep walking behind me? And Nog's like, Because you the last time we were together you tried to kill me. You Which ti- was like, <clears throat> like
0: four weeks ago, not very long ago.
1: Yeah, you tied me to a chair and waved a knife at me. Yep. <clears throat> so if you want to hang out, fine, but I think you're walking in front of me or beside me.
0: And that's such a good way to show how far Nog has come. Yeah. Because he would have been scared a couple of years ago. And now he's like, you know what? I don't trust him. I'm not going to let him out of my sight, but I'm not scared of him anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm going to tell him, I'm going to look him in the eye and tell him exactly how it is. And that that that's great.
1: Yelling yeah, at Martok's crotch was really good for him, I think.
0: <laughs> that was his turning point. Huh? Yep. The crucible of, of uh, <laughs> Martok's crotch.
1: Uh, you know, like all uh, like all well known uh, characters in fiction.
0: Well, it's it's the hero's journey. Yeah, I mean, exactly.
1: I'm... Into Martok's crotch.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, that Joseph Campbell wrote about the uh... right <laughs> into the darkest crotch. It's... I'm pretty sure is one of his things.
1: Hero with a thousand Cardassian, uh, makeup. Should be Ferengi uh-huh. makeup. Right.
0: Uh, so, you you had a, you had a, speaking of interesting, uh, character bits on the planet, mm. you had a great quote.
1: Oh, yes, I do.
0: Well, what is it?
1: <clears throat> it is the, uh, well, here. Oh, no. What? I don't believe it. What? I tore my pants. <clears throat> You tore your pants. <laughs> yeah, I tore my pants. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm really in trouble now, huh? <laughs> so the guy's getting off of the ship, and Chief yeah. O'Brien realizes, oh, on top of everything else.
0: Yep. I find it's interesting that uh, he doesn't call them trousers. By pants, I assume he actually means his underwear.
1: Yep. Well, Chief O'Brien knows what we all know. The word pants is funny.
0: It is funny. Yep. Pants are inherently funny. I tore my
1: pair of pants. You tore your pants. Hey, guys, this guy tore his
0: pants. But this really shows how, like, more... I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Just the the, the higher level of camaraderie with... Yep. This crew, like, the Enterprise guys, like, uh, any of the Enterprise's guys Mm -hmm. wouldn't have done this. No. Kirk's guys wouldn't be laughing about a torn pair of pants, and and neither would, um, neither would Picard's guys. Nope. Just wouldn't happen. I feel like
1: Picard tended to go into super serious mode whenever he was marooned, which was fairly often. Yeah. Usually with Wesley.
0: (laughs) This is true.
1: (laughs) Well, it looks like it's just you and me again, Wesley. Captain, I tore my pants. Shut up. Is that not funny?
0: No. Oh, I'm disappointed in you. Oh.
1: I just thought we could maybe share a laugh and, you know, bond over it. Nope, none of that.
0: No laughing. The only time I laugh is when I get stabbed.
1: (laughs) We're not doing that today. Oh, Leslie puts his knife away. (laughs) Remember, I killed a guy.
0: (sighs) Never forget. (laughs) I I know, it's painted on the bridge.
1: (laughs) You are not fit to wear that uniform.
0: Oh. But yeah, anyway, great, great first two parts of a who knows how long parts? cycle. Yeah, No, it's just great. We're, hey, we're still doing this. Yep. It's it's great. I don't ever want it to end. All right. Uh, anything else?
1: Um, I'm just going over my notes here. I don't think so.
0: Just lots going on, lots yep. more still to happen.
1: Great fucking episodes.
0: Yep. Yes, it is. Next week, uh, two more. Yep. So look forward to that. Uh, our email address, as ever, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, the website, postatomichorror.com dot uh, com. As you heard at the very beginning of the episode, I'm running a fundraiser to cover the costs of running this show and the other shows that I do. Some of which involve Matt. Some do not. Yep. Uh, that it would help a lot if if you could uh, throw in a couple of bucks. Anything you guys
1: could do would be awesome. Thank you yeah. very much.
0: Yes. Uh, and that's all. So we'll be back next week.
1: Uh, yeah. See you, folks.
0: The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.